Hello and welcome to another episode of Back to Britpop. It's me, Chris. On this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by the kind Danny Tipping. Danny Tipping goes into detail about the band's formative years, their musical influences, how they got together, recording the album, and working with Andy Bell, who produced their first single, Ego Tripper. A couple of things before we hit the interview. If you're enjoying the podcast and you've not yet written a review or left a rating on Apple Podcasts, that'd be great if you could do that. It really helps. Also, follow me on the socials. Just search for Back to Britpop on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And also hit the Ko-Fi page, which is in the show notes, if you want to buy me a virtual coffee to say thanks. Without further ado then, here's Danny. Welcome to the podcast, Danny Tipping. How are you? Very well, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on to the show today. It's really good to talk to you about the kind. And and I know you've you've been really busy really recently as well in terms of um, getting new things together, which is exciting. But I just wanted to take you back a bit, if I may, back to the to the early 90s or even before potentially when when you started to listen to to music and you know you've got a twin brother Tristan who's also the bass player of the band but how did you two kind of form the kind and how did you get into to music we uh I mean it's a it's a fairly uh, familiar story I guess we we grew up in a house full of music my my dad was in uh bands in the 60s and uh we always had music playing in the house and guitars lying around and um uh, you know, from a fairly early age, we were uh, we were sort of consumed by by music, and it, we, I mean, like a lot of kids, you know, through, through the sort of mid early to mid eighties, it's all all about chart pop music, and um, and we started gravitating towards uh, guitar bands and indie music sort of towards the end of the uh, end of the eighties, um, as we were uh, sort of in our, our senior years at school, and. Uh, and then sort of tinkering around in bands and um, with with our best friends from school, really Paul and Bradley, um, and that that formed the nucleus of the of the kind in the in the early nineties. So you really have got that bond right from the very beginning of the school years, then. Yeah, absolutely. We played in a, a band playing fifties and sixties rock and roll uh, music at, at the time when everybody else was forming uh, punk and metal band, and yeah. um, uh, you know, and and that you know gravitated to us writing our own our own music, and we were. We loved the, the the indie music at the time. We we were, you know, huge fans of Ride and the House of Love. Pretty much anything that came out of Creation. Obviously, the Stone Roses had a big impact on us all. Mm. And we were right in the in the Thames Valley uh, in in Buckinghamshire. So the whole Thames Valley scene, or the scene that celebrated itself, I think, as the as Select Melody Maker dubbed it, you know, with with the likes of Revolver and Slow Dive, and you know, were mm. a big big influence on us. So, how did you divvy up the, the sort of guitar duties then between you and Tristan? Did you both sort of nat- naturally <laughs> uh, sort of gravitate towards those instruments, or did you have to fight for them? Yeah, I think we we both um, had an inclination we were going to be uh, guitar uh, guitarists, and then um, our drummer's dad had an old bass guitar in the loft. And, and there was literally a fight for it because it meant one of us didn't have to buy a, a new instrument. And, <laughs> and Tristan, being the older, the older twin, won. So he's been a bass player ever since. It's weird, isn't it? Bass, I, I've been recently, well, I'll say recently, the last sort of four or five years, I took up bass to play in a different band. And you, you kind of think as a guitarist, ah, this would be easy. But it's a completely different tool. And it's like learning lead guitar. If you're not a lead guitarist, 
this is like lead guitar for me anyway i found it's quite a challenging instrument to play properly yeah absolutely. oh yeah I, they, yeah there's uh people that play bass and then there's bass players and <laughs> um i think uh tristan falls into the the second category and, and particularly as we were uh, initially and at least we were musically we were a three-piece guitar bass and drums and a lot of the melody were and uh, was was driven by the bass you know like it is in i guess in the who or you know and you listen to alex james in blur mm. they're, they're musically a, a, a three-piece and a lot of the um the sort of very distinctive parts were and, and is now is mm. built around that So when did you guys sort of start putting riffs together and sort of melodies and things? Uh, what sort of stage were you at? Yes, it was in the, the early 90s. We started, um, you know, writing our own material and we, we left the, the covers band behind and, and became the kind. And we were like a lot of, you know, there was there was very little quality control, but it was it was we were hugely prolific. <laughs> so uh, we're writing a lot of songs and um, and, and started to play. Uh, a lot of gigs and it, it, it like like all bands it, it developed uh, sort of through the early 90s until we started sort of really taking it seriously around maybe 93 94 and, and started recording demos and and by that you know by that time we local environments in Buckinghamshire and, and the sort of borders of Oxfordshire to to playing gigs further afield. What was the scene like in Buckinghamshire then was it was there quite a vibrant sort of live scene? Um, well I mean obviously back a lot more <laughs> certainly more so than today a lot of a lot of um, uh, music venues and and again we're we're sort of on the outskirts of of uh, of Oxford and sort of equidistant between Oxford and London really so we were sport for choice you know Reading had great places to play there was the old Trout and Windsor which was a absolutely fantastic and iconic venue for for indie bands of, of all levels. And so, we, you know, we were a uh, sport for choice. Mm. Did you find getting into those venues quite easy? Did you like have a, uh, like a demo tape to tread your wares with? Yeah, we, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, we had, we had early demo tapes of varying degrees of, of quality, as you can imagine. <laughs> but um, we also had quite a strong local following and backed away initially into support slots and, and then, you know, uh, more regulars in, in, in most of the, the local venues and and as we progressed there, I mean, there was a really strong in the in the mid 90s university and, and college circuit mm-hmm. which really through the whole of the 90s was absolutely our our bread and butter you could go from you know all the way up up the country into wales and, and scotland and back down again playing universities and colleges student unions and and you know meeting bands up and down the country those they were doing exactly the same thing there was a college radio cir- circuit they were you know well supported gigs so once we'd got on to that that circuit that was where we really I guess found out what sort of band we were learned our trade or mm-hmm. however you want to put it and also built a built an audience that fan base is critical isn't it the, the local fan base and following it's just a hard thing to to capture because although mates are great they don't always support you <laughs> and so did you find that you were you know you were able to just draw in other people that weren't you weren't connected to quite early on or was it such yeah a, it, it did it did happen uh, uh to uh, well to, to to some degree anyway fa- fairly early on and i think that's the the turning point um for most bands when you you look at and the audience the sort of balance of the audience has tipped in favor of people you don't know rather than than uh than, than your mates as you say because um they're not always willing to travel are they your friends and there's only so many times they can come and see you play um on that college circuit we played s- several gigs on the same bill as my life story for instance and that that was always i remember the first time we we played with them 
that was when they still had they had the full string section Mm. you know 14 people getting out of a van and setting up on stage that that was you know fun exciting we look forward to playing on bills with them and then we at the same time of course there was the acid jazz thing happening we played on bills quite a lot with people like cordial and mother earth who are very different to us but actually um you know the audiences appreciated you know that sort of i guess that that retro 60s vibe that the, the likes of Cordial Mother Earth had and what we were doing so I guess it was, it was more exciting for us to play with bands that probably didn't sound exactly like us. Do you remember like a particular moment or a gig where you felt things were, sl- were turning a turned a direction or or things were starting to ramp up in terms of labels and things like that? Well I guess um, we played a lot in like, like a lot of sort of based in in our 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 end of the country played a lot in Camden, which was genuinely, as, as cliche as it sounds, a really exciting, uh, exciting time. And the, the Camden Falk and the Dublin Castle and the the, the Monarch or the Barfly, as it was, uh, HQ Club and the Laurel Tree. And, you know, the, the, the gigs were getting busier and busier and people were coming to see us uh, regularly coming back. And um, uh, we had a residency at the Dublin Castle, a sort of infamous uh, venue on the parkway in Camden on Monday nights called Club Kind, kind of imaginatively enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was busy, you know, people will, will come to see us. And, you know, we signed a, a deal with a small label in London and released our first single. And and that it did elevate things. There was a, there was a new audience, uh, you know, bigger crowds. They knew the words to the songs, you know, and even at our level, you know, it was noticeable and uh, it was really exciting. It, mm-hmm. it helped massively that we, that first single, Ego Tripper, which is 25 years old, this year that's that's one of the reasons we're we're coming to kind of mark and celebrate that that was produced by um andy bell from ride who was a huge hero of ours we love ride we love andy bell uh his guitar playing and mm. and obviously that attracted a bit of attention and and uh set us on a slightly different path how did that come about with andy bell then did, what was the connection there we uh, we had met a couple of times at, at gigs. We played a um, gig at the Marquee Club in London, um, which was a Small Faces uh, tribute, a Steve Marriott and Ronnie Lane tribute gig. And again, sort of mixed band bill. I think I think actually Mother Earth played that that gig, and Andy was there. Andy's a, a big Small Faces fan, and we met him. and And when we were talking about producers for a single, we we spoke to our label and said, "Look, you know, how about somebody like?" Uh, like Andy Bell and they asked him and he said yes and it was uh, it's about the time that um Ride were releasing Tarantula which was their their last album before they split up mm. and he came in and, and we produced the album we and uh, the uh, the single rather and um and we played some gigs with uh, with how I came number one afterwards and he was uh yeah a huge influence and a great great guy to work so the, the single and the, the album did really well, I mean, in terms of critical acclaim, because you did get some good sort of music press coverage as well, didn't you? Some good feedback. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, for us, it was, it, I guess it was, it, it just wasn't sustained enough. I guess, mm. you know, the singles, both the singles did well. The, the album um, uh, did have some good coverage and it was released in Japan where it, it, it did very well. And then, um, but everything took so long. We had, you know, the, the label was small and, and, you know, we'd recorded that, that material you know almost a year before it came out the album was was delayed and it I guess to, to some extent that that for us at least that felt like it really just slowed things down we were already writing uh, new material and and building a set of songs for a second album and you know frustration started to grow because the you know whatever momentum and, and 
coverage and support we got you know we felt we were you know we weren't moving quick enough to take advantage of it but i i, I mean i presume all bands feel like that but uh, mm. certainly in our case it things never move quickly enough to really capture the 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 coverage and support we did get since announcing we're coming back to mark this 25th anniversary the amount of people that have contacted us or responded to to the announcements on on all across social media that that did remember the band have seen us have, have lived with the album you know supporting this the new shows and we've announced we're going to release a um long delay the second album well i mean i guess we didn't really have a sense how many people you know were following us at the time I remember mm. it was obviously a time before social you couldn't count your support in um in likes or followers yeah, yeah. so uh it's a, a, a pleasant surprise i guess did you sort of get together collectively and say look we've got a we've got this milestone coming up and you know you mentioned there that there's still an amazing following out there for you guys and and, and love and support for the music that you did was there like a collective decision to do this then to be honest we talked about it on and off over the over the years but you know it'd be fun maybe to do something again together and and we'll we'll still play uh and, and make music but then there was some the, the bit pop radio show bit pop revival show rather picked up and we're playing a few tracks and that was the catalyst um you know for another conversation and then uh the speakeasy fanzine which i think some of your listeners probably um know and support did, did an article in the first um the first edition about ego tripper and we and we were really surprised and by the response to that. And that's what that was really the catalyst for us sitting down and saying, right, you know, we've got some time on our hands, you know, during lockdown, like everybody did. And uh, we started going back through the um, uh, rehearsal tapes and demos we were recording at the time we broke up um, for, a, for a second album. And, and it kind of spiraled, really. Originally, it was going to be a show to, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Ego Tripper this year. And it's like, well, if we're going to do that, should we be releasing some new material? And once we we dug in, my brother and and the singer, our singer Paul, uh, into the, the sort of tapes and mini discs and CDs that we had, we thought, actually, do you know what? There's a there's a whole set of of really strong songs here that we could, you know, we could bring together and, and release that that second album that, that you know that was never made. So that's that's how it, it it came about, kind of slowly at first, and then then snowballed. So now we've got some gigs booked and coming up for um june on uh we we announced the saturday the 12th of june um at the water rats which is a fantastic venue in in king's cross we played a bit back in the back in the 90s um and then we added a second date on the 11th of june friday the 11th of june when those tickets sold out so you know initially it would be those those gigs um announcing our our comeback as a, a live act i guess and then we're following that with the time in the recording studio to get this uh, recorded so looking listening back to those tapes then did you notice that there was a, a, a like a potentially a step in a different direction with the music with the first album were you already evolving as a band that, that, that you said you yeah uh, yeah absolutely I, I, yeah I think I think you know by the time as I said by the time we'd written and and, and recorded and released Shakedown which was the, the debut you know time had passed we already had new songs in the set we already um you know, adding and we were writing a lot of the time playing lots and lots of gigs and and honing this this new material and at the point we uh we broke up we you know we demoed a good chunk of, of songs for a second album and they are uh they are probably are slightly uh, they do sound different they sound they sound like the kind but it's a it's an evolution it's probably slightly more 
sophisticated songwriting, I guess, for want of a better word. But it still sounds it still sounds like the kind. I, I think we were all surprised actually when we started listening and saying, "Well, this stuff really stands up. It's a real evolution." And you know, it would be great to find a home for the the songs. And I also think if you're going to come back and you're going to play some gigs, it makes sense to to be releasing new material as well. So uh, it was, it's been sort of what turned it, you know, was a bit of a lockdown project as, as grown into something else. And we're really enjoying the process. So long may that continue. Would, would the future be then just to continue writing music together then as a band? Is that kind of the, the idea? I, I guess initially we hadn't, uh, we hadn't planned for that, but since we've, um, uh, we've been back, we, we have been obviously remotely, but of course now technology exists that we can, we can do that. We've all got home studio setups and we're, we've been recording and swapping ideas. Um, and it's been really good fun. It's sort of fallen back into, in, into that, that dynamic. And we're all, you know, Paul, Paul writes a lot of material, Tristan contributing. I've, you know, I've, we've got sort of songs that we've been building up. So yes, I guess, I mean, we're going to see where it takes us. We've got no immediate uh, or no long-term plans other than, you know, we're really excited about playing live again. We're really excited about finishing this and, and releasing this, uh, what will be our second album 20 years after the our debut which might be some kind of record i don't know we'll have to have to check um <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um and then i guess we'll see where it takes us but it's it's been i mean mostly probably it's been really enjoyable and and so far really well received we've been blown away by the support but you know but likes of you guys and 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 speakers in the Bitpop Revival show and the Bitpop Radio show and, and people reaching out and, and, and wanting to hear more about our our story. So we're really excited about, I guess, playing shows for everybody and, and, and releasing this record. It's amazing, isn't it, in terms of like how much support and interest there is in, in, in this kind of era of music that, that kind of defined a generation, if you like. It is a cliche thing to say, but there when I first embarked on the podcast and it was like a very supposed to be just a very personal project and it's just completely sort of exploded as I realized that there is, you know, uh, like Instagram accounts, there's Twitter accounts, there's Facebook pages and dedicated to the bands and um, not even just even legitimate band uh, sites, but, or pages, but, you know, fan sites and, and things that are out there still that are supporting this music from this era. And I guess your story is really good in a way, because it obviously shows that people are, that nostalgia, that interest is still there. And, you know, the fact that you're going back to re to revisit the music that never, that the fans never got to hear is something that's really special. And it, and out of these kind of very dark times is is a really positive thing, isn't it? Look, I completely agree. I, I guess, you know, we probably, we wouldn't be doing it if, if had we not been embraced by this a community, I guess, of 90s Indian and Britpop fans that are, you know, it's a really, it's a really healthy, uh, and 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 positive and supportive uh, community and and people are doing you know great things with with fanzines and podcasts and radio shows and um, and blogs and uh, and of course it's it's been you know really encouraging and I think there is a lot of nostalgia it was a it was a, a, a great time a very creative time lots and lots of good music and I guess you know part of the reason is we don't just want to come back and. Although we we want to embrace that, we mm. want to release these these songs as well um, that will be new to fans and give and and move things on as well, rather than just uh, sort of dwell on our us. But you know, there's no harm in in celebrating that as well because, as you say, that that community has been extremely supportive and it's um, you know really encouraging, and we're grateful for, for all that support. 
Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate you coming on and, and speaking to me on the podcast today about uh, the kind and, and good luck with everything. Oh, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Cheers, mate. Speak soon. Thanks again to Danny for coming on the show. It was great to hear about the kind and what they're up to now. Look forward to hearing the new stuff. Danny mentioned uh, Speakeasy fanzine in, in the podcast there, just a reminder that you haven't already got involved with that. It's a fantastic fanzine uh, produced in a very nice tactile format. Just search for Speakeasy fanzine on social media and you should get all the links you need to buy a copy and get it delivered to your front door, which is a lovely thing every month. And a reminder that obviously follow me on social media and get involved on Ko-Fi. If you haven't already, you can buy me a coffee. It's only three quid. And if you have time, please leave a review and give us a rating, five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. See you next time. (laughs) 